Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Whenever somebody is spewing incendiary words towards us, just imagine, in one hand you have a bucket of water, in the other hand you have a bucket of gasoline. And you get to decide which bucket you're gonna throw on those angry sparks. You can throw a bucket of gasoline and then flame and cause a complete explosion. Or you can douse that spark with water. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Whether you're sitting in traffic or waiting on a slow checkout line at the store or arguing with a disobedient child, life really is full of irritations. And how we respond, it's vitally important. Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress shares Solomon's wisdom for staying level-headed in challenging circumstances. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. Now, only two more days remain in our month-long series called The Solomon Secrets, and time is running out to request your copy of my best-selling book. It's also called The Solomon Secrets, 10 Keys to Extraordinary Success. When you give a generous gift to Pathway to Victory, I'll be sure to send you a copy right away. More about my book and other resources later, but right now, Let's get started with our study from Proverbs 14, verse 29. Solomon said, He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Today, we're talking about how to keep your cool when things get hot. How do you control the anger that we all feel from time to time? We all feel it from time to time. Let me give you this definition of anger that may help you. And it's going to be the guide for our study today. Anger is a natural, physical, and emotional response to perceived injustice. Let me say it again. Anger is a natural, physical, and emotional response to perceived injustice. Now, there are three ingredients to this definition important to understand. First of all, anger is a natural Response. Now stay with me on this. In Genesis 1.27, we find these words, and God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Man was originally created in God's image. And what I'm saying to you is the reason you and I get angry is because we're made in the image of a God who gets angry. That's why I say it is a natural response. We get angry because we're made in the image of a God who gets angry. Secondly, anger is a matter of perception. Remember I said it's a natural and emotional response to perceived injustice. Uh, sometimes we jump to conclusions. We assume that something is wrong and we get angry. The reason we get angry a lot of times is because we have incomplete information. Thirdly, anger results in a response. Anger will always express itself. We can't stop that. You're not going to stop feeling angry. The question is, how do we effectively deal with anger? I want you to notice in the book of Proverbs, Solomon gives us five simple principles for dealing with the anger that we feel toward others. Principle number one, whenever you feel angry, call an emotional timeout. If you're in a conversation with somebody and you feel yourself getting more and more angry 
ask for a time out. If you're arguing with your mate, remove yourself and go to the other room. If you're arguing with your boss, just ask if you can uh, go back to your office and reconvene the meeting again. If you're in a telephone conversation, ask if you can call the person back so you can collect your thoughts. By the way, removing yourself from a volatile situation is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Listen to Proverbs 14, verse 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Or Proverbs 16, verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. Proverbs 19, verse 11. You know, we think anger is a sign of strength, not the Bible. Solomon says a man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory, not his weakness. It is his glory to overlook a transgression. Call an emotional timeout so you are slow to get angry. Number two, analyze the cause of your anger. You know, the purpose of an emotional timeout is not to avoid your angry feelings, but to analyze them so you can deal with them appropriately. And during that time out, ask yourself two questions. Number one, what is the real cause of my anger? Why am I feeling this way? Is it because of a right I expect has been violated? Is it because I really feel angry over an injustice towards somebody else? Exactly why do I feel this way? And second question to ask yourself is, do I have complete and accurate information? Remember, a lot of the times we feel angry is because we don't have all the facts. You no, know, Walter will tell you, you know, there's some times I'll hear something, I storm into his office, I heard so-and-so and so-and-so and this happened, I'm mad, you know, and Walter said, well, no, wait, pastor, let's be sure we've got all the facts before we uh, jump off and make a decision. We all need people like that around us to help calm us down and make sure that we have all the right information. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Number three, learn to overlook minor offenses. Learn to overlook minor offenses. You know, you can't go through life every day without suffering minor emotional bruises from other people. Maybe an unreturned telephone call or a forgotten birthday or some other slight like somebody being late for an appointment. Now, those injustices are real, they're painful, but they're also temporary. And a wise person learns to overlook those minor offenses. Proverbs 19 verse 11 says, a man's discretion makes him slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Now some of you are saying, no, wait a minute, Robert, you're contradicting yourself. You said just a few moments ago, we shouldn't bury our anger. It's like an unexploded bomb inside of us. And now you're telling us to overlook a transgression. Which is it? No, to overlook a transgression is not the same thing as burying anger. When, what I'm talking about is when somebody wrongs you in a minor way, go ahead and acknowledge it, but then get over it. I'm not saying ignore it. Go ahead and admit that you've been hurt and wrong, but also admit, you know, this kind of stuff happens every day and I'm not going to let it ruin my day and certainly not my life. Let me illustrate that for you. You know, let's say I cut my finger a paper cut while dealing with these pages. Now, the pain I feel is very, very real, isn't it? But it's also temporary. It'd be kind of ridiculous for me to run to the emergency room at Baylor and have that paper cut treated, even though it's a real hurt. 
I realize that even though it's real, it's temporary, I'll get over it and I can move on. That's the way we ought to deal with minor transgressions that we all experience every day. Number four, learn to forgive major offenses. You know, some of the offenses we endure, some of the bruises we take can't be easily overlooked. The unfaithfulness of a mate, the abuse of a parent, the unfair dismissal by an employer. We just can't get over that immediately. Healing needs to take place. And fortunately, God has given us a surgical procedure to deal with the major hurts in our life. It's called forgiveness. And we've talked about forgiveness many times before, so I'm not gonna talk about it much today. In fact, if you're interested in knowing how to forgive, it's the topic I spoke on at the Brooklyn Tabernacle Tuesday night. It's why people kept coming for 30 minutes down the aisle. All of us have people we need to forgive. And if you're interested in knowing how to do that, get the message, how can I forgive someone who's hurt me in our How Can I Know series. But let me just remind you the three steps of forgiving those major offenses. Number one, forgiveness admits that you've been wronged. True forgiveness is not about sweeping something under the rug and playing like it never happened. If you're really gonna forgive somebody, you have to admit that what they did was wrong to you. As I say often, you can only forgive people you're willing to blame. True forgiveness actually blames a person for what they've done to you. Secondly, true forgiveness acknowledges your offender's obligation to you. Offenses create obligations. And if you admit that somebody's wronged you, then it also means you need to acknowledge they owe you for what they've done to you. That person may deserve the breakup of your relationship. They may deserve jail time. They may deserve death for what they've done to you. But you need to acknowledge the debt that they owe you. Thirdly, and most importantly, true forgiveness releases your offender of his obligation to you. That's what the word forgive means. It means to let go, to release. When you forgive somebody, you're giving up your right to hurt them for hurting you. That's what you're doing. You're not giving up your right to justice. But what you're saying is, you know what? This guy may deserve this or that, but I'm not the one to be the executioner. I'm gonna turn this jerk over to God or to the authorities or somebody else but I'm gonna let go of my right to hurt them for hurting me. And of course, the reason we're to forgive is because of the great forgiveness that God has extended to us. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6.14? If you forgive others, Jesus said, my heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will my heavenly Father forgive you. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Forgiveness isn't optional. It's essential for anyone who wants God's forgiveness. Number five, how do you deal with anger in your life? How do you keep from allowing anger to get out of control, either through wrath or malice? Number five, don't associate with angry people. Now remember this, anger is a learned response. If you associate with angry people, you're gonna become angry as well. Billy Martin in his autobiography, number one, tells a great story about a hunting trip he once took with the legend Mickey Mantle. And they were going to a place uh, of a friend of Mantle's to hunt. And so they're driving in the car, they drive up to this friend's house and uh, Mickey Mantle said, no wait just here, Billy, and I'll go in and get the key from my friend. 
So he goes on and asks his friend if it's okay for them to hunt that day. And the friend says, oh, sure, Mickey, but would you mind doing me a favor while you're at it? Said, my old pet mule's up in the barn. He's blind and he needs to be put out of his misery. Would you mind shooting him for me? And Mandel said, well, sure, I'll be happy to do it. So he leaves the house. He's on the way to the car where Martin's sitting. He decides to have a little fun with Billy Martin. So he gets in the car. He plays like he's angry. He slams the door and he says, that's so-and-so. He won't let us hunt on his property today. We drove all the way up here. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And he puts his foot on the accelerator and starts driving toward the barn. I'm going to kill one of his animals in the barn. And uh, Billy Martin is shouting the whole time, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it, Mickey. He said, yeah, I'm going to do it. And so he jumps out of the car, takes a shotgun, goes into the barn and puts the mule out of his misery. He's laughing to himself, imagining Martin's expression. He's starting to walk back to the car and all of a sudden he hears two gunshots. He runs toward the car and there's Billy Martin with his shotgun. He said, Billy, what have you done? He said, we'll show that so-and-so. I just shot two of his cows. <laughs> Anger is a learned response. That's why the Bible says, don't hang around, don't hunt with angry people, whatever you do. Now, there are a lot of you who are single adults, teenagers, either here or watching in the day one service. I'm going to give you the best piece of advice you're going to hear this week, okay? If you are single and thinking about getting married at some point in your life, don't date and certainly don't marry someone who is habitually angry. Don't marry or even date somebody who has a problem with his or her temper. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man, lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Now, if it's somebody who acknowledges he has an anger problem and he or she is dealing with it positively, that's one thing. But a person who is continually blowing up all of the time, if you marry that person, you're going to be miserable and you're going to be the object of his or her anger at some point. Now, we've talked about how to handle the anger that we feel, but how do you deal with anger that is directed toward you? Well, again, Solomon gives us some very great advice for how to deal with angry people that come into our life. How many of you this week have had to deal with an angry person in your life? Okay? Don't look at the person next to you if it's your mate. <laughs> we all deal with angry people. Listen to what Solomon says about how to handle angry people in your life. First of all, listen carefully to an angry person. Gary Chapman wrote a great book on anger called The Other Side of Love. And he said there are seven steps for dealing with an angry person. Step one, listen. Step two, listen. Step three, listen. When somebody comes at you and they're angry, resist the impulse to argue with them. Just listen, listen, listen. Solomon said the same thing in Proverbs 17, verse 27. He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. You know why listening is so important? Listening to your adversary accomplishes three things. Jot these down. They're not on your note. First of all, listening diffuses your adversary's anger. It gives a chance for your adversary's anger to be diffused. You know, a volcano is much less dangerous after the eruption than before the eruption. 
And it's the same thing with the angry people in your life. Give them time to blow off the steam before you try to respond in return. Secondly, listening gives you a chance. It gives you time to collect your thoughts before you speak. You don't want to speak hastily. You want to measure your thoughts. Listening gives you time to decide what you're going to say. In fact, if you haven't thought of it yet, when he finishes, say to him, do you mind telling me one more time why you're so mad? Believe me, they will be happy to oblige that request. Listen to it again. And if you still don't have your thoughts, ask him, well, one more time, do you mind telling me so I can be sure I've got all the information correctly? It's a wise way to gather your thoughts. Thirdly, listening gives you an opportunity to collect important information. As you listen to the person, you may discover that they're acting from incomplete or inaccurate information. Number two, how do you handle angry people? Try to identify with the other person's anger. Instead of criticizing their emotion, instead of invalidating them, try to identify with it. You might say something like, I understand how disappointed you are. Or you might say, you know, if I were you and thought that's the way it happened, I'd be just as angry as you are as well. Proverbs 10 verse 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. One practical way we demonstrate love toward an adversary is by understanding rather than invalidating our adversary's feelings. Number three, answer softly and slowly. Answer softly and slowly. Whenever somebody is spewing incendiary words towards us, just imagine, in one hand you have a bucket of water, in the other hand you have a bucket of gasoline. And you get to decide which bucket you're going to throw on those angry sparks. You can throw a bucket of gasoline and then flame and cause a complete explosion. Or you can douse that spark with water. You know how you douse angry words of another person? By making sure that when it comes your time to speak, just think to yourself, speak more slowly than your adversary and speak more softly than your adversary. Just speaking slowly and softly has a way of dousing the anger. Solomon said that in Proverbs 15:1, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Number four. In dealing with an angry person, ask forgiveness if necessary. Nothing will take the wind out of an angry person's sails any quicker than you're responding. I'm sorry for what I did. Would you forgive me? I mean, what's he going to say after that? He may accept your forgiveness and you've restored a relationship. He may say, no, I'm not going to forgive you or I'll have to think about it. That's okay too. Because at least you know you've done the right thing. You know, over and over again in the New Testament, the Bible talks about having a clear conscience, that it's essential to living the Christian life. Do you know what a clear conscience is? It's the knowledge that there is no one who can accuse me of a wrong I've not attempted to make right. We all need a clear conscience. It's that assurance that there is no one out there not that can accuse me of anything, we're all sinful, but knowing that there's no one out there who cannot accuse me of a wrong that I've not attempted to make right. When you ask for people's forgiveness, you know you've done your part. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, for he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, 
but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. One of my favorite episodes of the old Amos and Andy TV series, remember that? I know I'm revealing my age when I talk about Amos and Andy. There was an episode in which Andy was walking around with a little bottle tied around his neck. And his friend Amos said, what is that bottle around your neck? And Andy says, oh, it's a bottle of nitroglycerin. And Amos says, why would you be carrying a bottle of nitroglycerin around your neck? And Andy says, well, I've got this friend, and every time he pokes or talks to me, he pokes me in the chest, and it bothers me. So I decided to put this nitroglycerin around my neck. The next time he pokes me, he's going to get his finger blown off. <laughs> well, that's not all that's going to get blown off, is it? <laughs> Listen to me. Whenever we have anger that is undealt with in our heart, it's like walking around with a bottle of nitroglycerin around our neck. And whenever we deal angrily with somebody who is angry, it's just like punching old Andy right in the chest there and exploding that bottle of nitroglycerin. You see, Solomon has another way, other advice for handling anger. You know what Solomon says about anger? He says, get as far away from it as possible. And whatever you do, don't wear it around your neck or in your heart. Don't associate with it. And most of all, when confronted with it, make sure you handle with care. Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Keep your cool when things get hot. In this sacred moment of application, I'm always impressed to remind you that it's no mistake that you're listening to Pathway to Victory right now. God appointed this moment of decision for you. So let me explain how you can take your next steps. Let me urge you to write, call, or go online to ptv.org today to request the materials I've prepared on your behalf. This is one of the very last times I'll mention my book I've written that coincides with this series. It's called The Solomon Secrets, 10 Keys to Extraordinary Success. In addition to the topic we address today, Solomon also provides wisdom on life issues like finding financial freedom, nurturing an intimate relationship with your mate, and how to advance in your career. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, you're invited to request your copy of my book, The Solomon Secrets. In addition, I'll be sure to include an exclusive booklet I've written just for the young adult or teen in your life. It's called Timeless Wisdom from Proverbs. It's 44 pages in length and contains a wealth of insight on relevant topics such as coping with peer pressure, cultivating healthy friendships, and dating. Before our time is out, I'd like to say a big thank you to our growing family of financial supporters. Your consistent giving is truly making a difference. For example, I want to read you an encouraging comment I received from Charles, who listens to our program from prison. He wrote, Pastor Jeffers, your teaching has helped me understand and accept that God is not done with me despite of all of my mistakes and the humiliation of being sentenced to prison. I believe God placed me here to prepare me for my second chance. 
Through God's amazing grace, my marriage has been healed and my relationship with my sons has flourished. God has been speaking through you. Well, thanks so much, Charles, for that encouragement. And friends, now it's your turn. Would you be willing to join the team? Your generous gift today will allow us to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word. Don't forget, you can watch Pathway to Victory on television. Saturdays, you can watch us at noon Eastern on TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. On Sunday, you can see us on hundreds of stations throughout the day, including TBN at 10 a.m. Eastern or Daystar at 6 p.m. Eastern. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffers. Today, when you give a generous gift to support this ministry, you're invited to request a copy of Dr. Jeffress' best-selling book, The Solomon Secrets. As an added bonus, we'll also send you the 44-page book for teens and young adults called Timeless Wisdom from Proverbs. Just give us a call, 866-999-2965, or even easier, go online to ptv.org. Now, when your gift is $75 or more, we'll also send you this month's teaching series, also called The Solomon Secrets, on both CD and DVD. But tomorrow is the very last day this offer will be available, so get in touch with us right away. Again, our toll-free number, 866-999-2965, or make your request online at ptv.org. You could also send your donation by mail. Write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. That's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Join us again next time for the conclusion of our series, The Solomon Secrets, with a message called, Fear is Good. That's Friday, here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.